0: podcast has bad words <laughs> hello simpletons we're here with mel robbins the author of the new book the high five habit yeah. Now we've got a bunch of surprise questions. I want to get to those. I also want to talk to you about the five-second rule, which was your previous book that a lot of people already know, but I want to catch everyone up to speed here. But before we get in there, we do this little segment called More About Less, where we read something as a jump-off point. Often it's an article, it could be a funny New Yorker cartoon, but since we have you here, I thought we would read a bit from your new oh book. Oh my God,
1: really? And <laughs>
0: if you, since you're here, if you'd be willing to read Oh, part I love of it, that. I thought maybe we would start, we either start at the beginning of, of chapter four why do i torture myself (laughs) or we get to the part where it's um something's wrong with you here's why you here's why you must change your mind where do we start what do you think dealer's choice all right why do i torture myself all right here we go
1: (laughs) this book basically wrote itself um well this is chapter four why do i torture myself while i was writing this book i received this text from one of our daughters How do I not feel like the ugliest girl at the bar every time I go out? It's the kind of text that breaks your heart because, you know, there isn't a damn thing you can say to change how she feels about herself at this moment in her life. And believe me, I've tried. I can tell her all the reasons why she's beautiful inside and out. I can remind her of her incredible character attributes. I can list her achievements and gush about her sense of humor and her wisdom and her work ethic. I can compliment her for being a trusted, loving, and respected sister, friend, and colleague. I can tell her all the cheesy things that authors, motivational speakers, and mothers say to someone they love who is single and feels discouraged. Honey, you just haven't met someone who deserves someone as fantastic as you yet. But you will.
2: Mm.
1: But it doesn't matter what I think, yeah. because this text isn't about me. It shows you the relationship our daughter has with herself. Mm. How she sees herself, the world around her, and how she fits into it. And I'm sure you've experienced this dynamic with someone you love. You see how amazing they are, and you gossip about their talents and their attributes and even their appearance. You try to convince them with facts. Well, that's not true. You do have friends. You're beautiful. You have so much to offer. But no matter what you say or what evidence you use, it does not change what someone believes about themselves. Mm. They can hear it. It might make them feel a little bit better in the moment, but their brain flat out rejects what you're saying as the truth because they've told themselves they suck or are ugly or fat or a loser so many times over the years. They have compiled so much evidence that it is true that this belief is now programmed into their subconscious mind. That's why the person you love even argues with you when you try to tell them how great you think they are. Mm. One of the most important revelations (laughs) you can ever have Mm -hmm is that your life and your happiness begins and ends inside your own mind. What you say to yourself, how you treat yourself, and the thoughts that run on repeat are everything. doesn't matter how successful, thin, famous, muscular, or wealthy you become. If you focus on what's wrong with you, you'll never be happy.
0: Mm, Yes. Mm. This is fascinating. I want to talk to you about ego's role here as well because we often think that... Ego is the antidote to self-doubt, but of course, when you dive deep, you realize that the ego often is what leads to self-doubt.
1: Can I ask a question? Sure. <clears throat> I'm going to confess something. Okay. I don't know what the hell the ego is. Like I, <laughs> I, when people start talking about ego, I literally go blank. Mm. I've, can you explain for simpletons like me mm. what me. an ego actually is? Wow. Because yes. I don't know, like when people talk about this, I'm like, what exactly are they talking about?
0: Sure. It, it, ultimately, what we're talking about is the way that we see ourselves. Now, generally, it is, there's almost this duality where it's, I place myself on a pedestal, I'm better than, and then simultaneously, and here's the sort of paradox of it. I'm also beating myself up while I'm better than. So I think I'm better than everyone because of X, Y, and Z. Usually it's because of the things we're doing or our potential or this innate sense. And so I know you're asking the question somewhat rhetorically. like We, we, we throw about this word ego, but does anyone really know what it means? Is it
1: the voice that comes on in, when you're looking at yourself in the mirror? And you're saying that's a person that doesn't deserve support?
0: Mm. I I suppose it could be. I I think... I think, and by the way, we use it pejoratively as well. And I don't mean to use it pejoratively here. I'm not saying, "Well, that's just my ego." It's it's not good or bad. Those are nonsense concepts. But it is something that often directs us, and so it's the way that I see myself. Here's another way to talk about it: it's the stories that we tell ourselves about the way we think things should be. Mm. That terrible word, should. Uh, things should be this way and and therefore I compare myself to the way that things should be as opposed to what? Well, the high five habit, seeing yourself for the way things are. People misunderstand love. And and so to love someone is to see them for who they are without trying to change them. To love yourself is to see yourself, see yourself, not just see yourself in the mirror. I look at it as uh, the seeing yourself in a mirror as a metaphor. It's, the seeing, the awareness mm. of oneself. You can mean it literally. Obviously, you mean it literally, but it goes beyond the literal. It's not just checking my hair. Got That's it, not the high it. five. Yeah. Having. Okay.
1: That helps. Mm.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, so there is this. Placing of oneself on a pedestal simultaneously while we beat ourselves up—it's almost as like you're at the pedestal and like behind it, you're just sort of like punching yourself in the groin. Um, <laughs> there's the there, there's the imagery for you. Yeah, uh, the
1: uh, imagery I just got is that famous study about Olympic athletes
0: hmm, and which one?
1: how the one that that talks about how um, the person who gets third is happier than the person that gets second.
0: Oh, yeah, because they got to the pedestal literally Mm -hmm. and and they're just happy that they made it to the pedestal the person who was second wishes they were first because of the comparison so that's where the ego
1: sneaks in and robs you of the ability to actually be present to what is
0: yeah yes And, and they're both egoic pursuits because that that third place person is happy that they're better than. Oh, you know
1: what's so interesting? Yeah. Okay, so you just taught me something. Thank you. I meant the question in earnest. Okay. Mm. I'm not a psychologist. I figured out everything that I talk about the hard way right. by screwing up my own life. I mean, at this point I could have 15 PhDs, but mm. um, I I always heard the word ego and had a negative connotation. Yeah.
2: But mm. you're
1: uh, example, when you said, but yeah, but the the person who got third mm-hmm. and feels happy about it mm-hmm. is having, that's also their ego. That's absolutely. Got yes. it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. I got it. Okay. So
3: ego, ego, yeah. It's not, there's not, you don't have to put a value judgment on it. Although we do, because we'll say, oh, well, that's ego driven. Uh-huh. And uh, typically, like vanity is ego driven.
2: Okay.
1: So let me share a breakthrough that I've had okay. using the high five habit. Okay. And this is going to, because I can distinguish between the way that my ego relates to me as a person versus my ego still mucking up and screwing up and torturing me as I build a business and do things. Mm. So here's, here's the example that I'm going to give you. So we're in the middle of this book launch, right? Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things that's been interesting to watch is to me, this is actually not even about a book. It's about this tool creating a movement of self-empowerment. And I'm so committed to this spreading around the world. So thank you for inviting me to share this with your audience, The High Five Habit. But I'm actually reading the book for free, a couple pages a day, cover to cover on social media mm. yeah. so that people can get the content Heck yeah. if That's they awesome. can't afford the book That's awesome. or they can't find the book. And as the high five challenge spreads around the world and people in 91 countries are doing five days in a row of high-fiving themselves and having these crazy breakthroughs, I'm like, oh my God, this is cracking something open inside people. This is everything. Mm. And then I crack open Amazon and I see the rankings and I'm like, what? Mm -hmm. Fuck, Mm -hmm. I'm number 30. You know, like I'm like, you know, like the ego comes in to invalidate and yes. make me feel less than, <laughs> yeah. and actually rob me of staying focused on the impact that I want to make. Because at the end of the day, I the five-second rule never made a single bestseller list. It sold 2 million copies in 36 languages, and 111 people have stopped themselves from committing suicide mm. by counting backwards 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Mm. It is not about those extra and yet I know this and it is so hardwired it is. Yeah. that it's killing me to n- like I just don't look at Amazon anymore so yeah. that I'm not even putting that in my brain but I'm experiencing the ego around things I'm doing now let me mm. explain you to you a breakthrough though that I'm having at the same time please so I've started doing this high five habit thing in April of 2020 I've been practicing it for 18 months We've researched it for over a year. The book just launched. Hundreds of thousands of people are doing it right now. It's extraordinary. When I look in a mirror, so I'm going to be 53 tomorrow. Before the high five habit, I had never in my adult life had an experience where I looked forward to seeing the human being Mel Robbins. Mm. Mm. I looked forward to seeing an outfit.
0: Wow. Mm. what did you just get yeah the the you looked forward to the superficiality of the person that mel robbins had created mel robbins the persona yeah in in fact the personality comes from the the greek derivative of 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 mask right and so the masks Mm. we create with our outfits Mm. with you know the, the way i do my hair or whatever like and there's nothing wrong with those things yeah. but if it's merely a facade that we're we're it's like we're constantly painting a burning house oh wow and and so uh, th- th- i just i got that image in my head when you talked yeah. about that
1: yeah and so by practicing this simple high five every day where i see myself i encourage myself even if it's a disappointing day even if i screwed something up even if I did something I'm ashamed of. I still have my own back. I still send myself into the day. Something remarkable has happened. I have spent four decades criticizing myself, like literally abusing myself in my Mm. own mind. Yeah. Relentless. Yes. This physical movement and the corresponding science has literally reset my brain. Wow. I don't even see my face I mean, I have to look at my skin if I'm putting on foundation like I did today. Mm. But when I look in the mirror, I don't even see a body. I see a human being, an essence, a person that's trying, a person that I love. Just like you look at your kids. Like, you wouldn't even occur to you to criticize them as your first thought.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Or, and, or improve them either. Yes. We never try to improve a baby.
1: Yes. And so there is this amazing quieting of the ego in my experience of being with myself that I have never had. Yeah. I still struggle with it as sure. I'm building a business or I'm going through day-to-day life in the doing of things. That's right. Mm. But this simple high-five habit and the act of high-fiving the human being in the mirror has profoundly changed the way I feel about myself.
0: Mm. I love that you talked about You've been beating yourself up for the last four decades, which sort of acknowledges that there is some sort of programming that happens somewhere after age five, you know, could be around age eight. Nine, ten, and then that programming is reiterated through society. In fact, we're told so many things are good: competition is good, comparison is good, success is good, achieving is good. All of these things that are making us miserable are so good for mm. us. No wonder we're beating ourselves up so much. We're so conf- con- we're so concerned by the superficial, by the cars and the clothes and. The objects of our desire. And those things, we get them, and they're fine. They bring us this burst of pleasure. And in fact, though, we start seeking that pleasure now. You know, quite often Ryan and I will be on tour and we'll really enjoy a city. And what what is the first thing I say? Oh, we've got to come back here. I've just turned that joy into a pleasure chase. Oh, interesting. Oh, I've got to come back here now, right? And so I, what i've what I've noticed here with with our daughter my my job as a parent is to just avoid screwing her up and i
1: I think it's something else
0: okay uh I'd be happy to get there but I, I think ultimately what what I want to do is n- not program her the way that I was programmed mm. to which leads to the self doubt to the self criticism the self hate it leads to us Treating ourselves in ways that aren't beneficial for living, in fact, the way that we treat ourselves often gets in the way mm. of living life. Yeah.
1: yeah, so you know you said a couple things let's start start zero to five. so for some people, the self rejection begins literally zero to eight months, so there's all this new research now about the way that a, a, an infant's nervous system absorbs either trauma or chaos or stress of caregivers. And so if you are in a household where it always felt like the next shoe was about to drop or super chaotic or abandonment or poverty or abuse or constant microaggressions, zero to five, that can set your nervous system on edge for your whole life. Mm. And so that can get you in a narrative in your mind that as a child, you're just trying to cope with complete chaos. And so your narrative becomes very self-rejecting. Stay quiet, don't be heard, hide yeah. in the corner because that's how you stayed alive.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's
1: how you met your needs. But for the majority of people- when you get to about age eight, there's an evolutionary thing that is in play, and that is this. The driving force for safety becomes fitting into groups. Mm-hmm. And so we've all had the experience of walking into the cafeteria in elementary school with your little tray and your carton mm-hmm. of milk, and you scan the, the cafeteria, and then all of a sudden your brain becomes that sorting hat from Harry Potter. Mm. And you're like, I can't sit with them. They're the sports kids. I can't sit with them. I don't look like them. I can't sit with them. I don't have the jeans they wear. I can't Mm. sit with them. Like you start to see the world in ways where you belong and where you don't.
0: Where you're not enough.
1: Correct. And then it's weird because I believe the self-rejection begins as a way to protect yourself. Yeah. You're saying you're mm. holding yourself back or morphing yourself into something else because you're seeking external acceptance. We all do it. It's, part, it's how we survived elementary, middle school, high school, college, like everything. But part of the power of this high five habit is at some point in your adult life, whether you have this epiphany because you realize, holy shit, I'm about to shoot heroin
2: mm.
1: or I need to get it like the, my marriage is over. I just lost my, like I need to change my life. At some point, we all hit this rock bottom moment where we hit something solid inside of us. Mm. And that is this desire to reconnect with self.
0: Mm. Yeah. Mm. So so the there's a weird programming that has happened to us. And it's almost as though you've deprogrammed or reprogrammed yourself. And part of this, it's not through a doing. I, I know that the, the the habit itself is... It's more than a habit though. It it is it is an understanding. It's not yeah. merely it's not a mantra, it's not a here's the six things you need to do to to prevent self doubt. No, no, no. It's a seeing of oneself for the way that things are. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and
1: accepting of. Mm. Because the high five isn't I see how bad it is, and you're going to lose this game. That's not what a high five ever says. Uh It's an accepting and a supporting through it. And so the other thing that I do think is really important to reiterate with the high five habit, though, is that it's so important to do the physical action. And now we're going to dip into the research around behavioral activation therapy. Okay, Mm -hmm. So just as powerful as cognitive behavioral therapy, Mm -hmm. behavioral activation therapy is therapy that coaches and leads people through a whole philosophy that's grounded in act like the person you want to become because what happens when you start taking the actions of a musician who's playing,
2: mm-hmm. ah. you pick
1: up the guitar for a half an hour. Right. When you take the actions of somebody who's a published author, you spend a half an hour every day writing. Mm-hmm. When you take the actions of somebody who loves themselves, you high five yourself in the mirror, mm. your brain sees the action and that changes your reticular activity system, the filter in your brain in real time. Wow. And your brain starts to go, oh, whoa, 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 wait a minute, this human being is somebody who supports herself. We don't criticize her. In fact, in this high five challenge, we had somebody write that he was really shocked because you've received so many high fives in your life you can kind of remember them. I can remember running road races Mm. and I can remember like feeling that high five, you know? And um, I think you can probably remember certain moments in your life where you felt the high five. It's like a, a, it's like a lived experience. Mm -hmm. This guy said, Mel, the craziest thing. And we started to have other people report this. The high five gives me the dopamine and the jolt in the morning. And it sends me into the game, the game of life feeling like, okay, no matter what happens, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to do my best. Whatever, I'll be back here tomorrow morning to pick myself back up. But he said, I also remember and have the image and the feeling, it lingers.
0: Wow, yes.
1: And so the physical thing is really important because your brain, by seeing yourself doing it, it's changing the filter in your mind in real time. Yeah.
0: You you may have noticed when you showed up, you got a hug from most of the people in yeah. this room, and and you know Ryan and I have known each other since we were fat little fifth graders, and we still hug each other every time we, we see each other, and. <laughs> You know, we've hugged, uh, we calculated this last year, uh, <laughs> over 60,000 people out on, on tour. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's because the, uh, half the people don't want to hug us. And that's okay. We don't right. force hugs right. on, on people, even though people criticize us for that. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, and so what's fascinating is this morning, I was having a really rough morning. We had this huge snafu on, on YouTube. We were trying to adjust it and we, we were limited on time. And then, uh, Danny just, he saw that I had this, this look on, on my face, just like, Oh, this is overwhelming! What terrible time! And Danny just comes up and he gives me a big hug, and it's just like, ah, oh, hmm. there's there's this moment where where that the physicality it changes whatever's going on in the brain yeah. in the moment, and and so any of the the thing associated with a high five or a hug or other physiological changes that literally change our state, mm. yes. We don't even think about it because what we try to do is we think we try to think our way out of it and it. it just spirals us down. Well, if
1: you didn't yeah. think your way into the issue, you're never going to think your way
0: out of it. Ooh, you yes. need a
1: corresponding physical interruption.
0: Yeah, tweet that podcast. And, and
1: here's the other thing. <laughs> the study about the NBA proves this. So they studied NBA teams. Uh, researchers did. I think the study was in 2011. You can also find a fascinating article about this in the Wall Street Journal. And researchers looked at NBA teams and they wondered, is there any behavior in the preseason that can predict who's going to be the most successful winningest teams at the end of the season? Mm -hmm. You better believe there is. Really? Yes. The winningest teams have the most pats on the back, fist bumps, and high fives in the preseason. Mm. The teams with the worst record... Everybody in Vegas, pay attention. Uh, the bets can now go. The teams yes. with the worst records have the least number of pats on the back, fist bumps, and high fives. Mm. Why does that matter? It matters because these are not just throwaway gestures. Right. These are expressions of trust, partnership, and momentum, yeah. and optimism, and your brain recognizes it. So a team that starts the beginning of the year by high-fiving and supporting one another, mm. they create momentum, trust in the beginning that carries them throughout the team. If you've got a team that doesn't do any of that, everybody's in it for themselves. Yeah. And when they studied kids and they wanted to know, for example, and this is a published study in the Frontiers of Psychology academic journal. They wanted to know what's the best way to coach and support kids through a really challenging problem. So they divide kids into three groups. And the first group, as they're working through this terribly challenging issue and sweating it out and upset and frustrated, the researchers come over and are like, it's okay. You're really smart. You can handle this. Mm. Helps a little. Mm -hmm. The old fixed mindset, right? Uh The second group gets the growth mindset type of reassurance, which is rewarding the effort. Oh, your perseverance is awesome. You're going to get this. Keep working hard. I see you. It's great. That helped better Mm -hmm. than telling somebody they're smart. The third group, no joke, Uh the researchers said nothing. They simply walked up to a kid as they are toiling away at something really hard and gave them a high five. Mm. Those little kids that got the high five outworked those other kids like tenfold. You want to know why? It's incredible. No words. Because a high five affirms your deepest needs of being seen, Mm -hmm. of being gotten. Mm-hmm. and being celebrated and encouraged.
0: It circumvents the thoughts in a way. Yes. Yeah. It, and in fact, there was this thing I wanted to talk about on, on the minimal. It was a, one of my other pithy little minimal maxims here. But it was be careful what you think because thoughts turn into opinions, opinions turn into beliefs, beliefs turn into ideologies, and ideologies turn into dogma. So really quickly, quickly we can turn into that spiral. Like, I have this thought about myself. If all of a sudden, oh, I'm stupid. But then that becomes a belief that I'm clinging to. Mm-hmm. Mm. And I start to build ideologies around how stupid I am. And, and now it's a dogma that I'm holding so closely that no matter what I think, no, it's not going to deprogram it. Yeah, yeah, And so the
1: high five does deprogram it right. because it's an act of defiance. Right. It's like, actually, I still got you. You can think that crap, but I don't believe it.
0: Yeah. That's right. And so we have to, in a way, circumvent the thoughts, negative or positive. That's all nonsense anyway, the negative, positive. The, the thoughts are the problem here is what we're learning. The thoughts that we're telling ourselves. And you're not, you are never get to inject enough good thoughts into the stew. I mean, it's like if you have a, a, a pot of soup that's made out of arsenic, how much good soup do you have to pour into it before <laughs> you're going, going to eat it? Mm. And what we're talking about here is like, well, no, no, no. I'm just going to circumvent that soup together, dump yeah. it down
1: the sink yeah
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and that's what this does you're, you're dumping that arsenic down down the sink yeah, yeah. and that's beautiful it's incredible can we talk about the uh mm. the five second rule while sure we, while what do we're you want to know um well for, for those who are uninformed unenlightened what is the five second rule
1: so the five second rule is a brain hack you can use to uh tap instant motivation courage or confidence when you feel yourself hesitating and um it's very very simple Uh, there's a five, here's how you're going to do it. The moment, you know, you need to do something, whether it's get up from the couch and go to the gym or put down social media and start writing your manuscript, or it's speaking up more at work, or it's having the hard conversation, just count backwards. The second you feel yourself, hesitate five, four, three, two, one, and then move. And something crazy is going to happen. You're going to see yourself push through the procrastination, the self-doubt, the fear, the anxiety that is keeping you from taking the actions that change your life. And I invented this in 2008, February, on a Tuesday morning in February, 2008, outside of Boston, Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. I invented this because I was literally circling the drain in my life. My husband and I were 800 grand in debt.
2: Yeah. Mm. Um.
1: He had gone into the restaurant business, uh, pizza place outside of Boston. The first one was super successful, and so like complete morons, we uh, ignored everybody's advice because what could possibly go wrong in the restaurant business? And we—they're <laughs> always successful. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And so one percent makes it beyond four years. Wow. Should have done our research, but um, we cashed out everything, four hundred one ks, kids' college savings. We took out oh. a home equity line because that's free money. We wow. got credit cards, maxed them all out, and shoved it all into the business. And we started, or I shouldn't say we, it was he and his business partner, started to open two more locations, and uh, the housing crisis hit in 2008.
0: Yes, yeah. it did. And wow. the second
1: location closed four months after it opened wow. at twice the budget. And they started factoring, which means they started trying to pay their rent by taking percentages off the credit card receipts off of the, I mean, the liens hit our house. You Ooh. guys, we had three kids under the age of 10, nowhere in my life plan or vision board was there a photo of me wasted screaming at my husband and sleeping <sighs> until noon while the kids missed the bus and didn't go to school. That was not like part <laughs> mm, of the plan. Mm. And I lost my job right around the same time. And like so many of us, I knew what I could be doing. Yes. I knew I should look for a job.
2: Mm.
1: I, we need money. I couldn't afford groceries. Mm. I knew I needed to call my parents and ask for help. I knew I needed to exercise. I knew I needed to not drink myself into the ground. I knew Chris wasn't trying to bankrupt us. Mm. And he was spiraling in shame. But knowing isn't enough. Mm. Especially when your nervous system is on edge. Especially when you're emotionally frazzled. Especially when you feel stuck. You got to know how. How the hell do you make yourself take the actions when you feel paralyzed or overwhelmed or scared or unworthy or resigned or lost? How do you do that? Yes. And for me, it came down to the fact that I could barely get myself out of bed. Mm. I became a person wow. I didn't recognize. You know, I would, the alarm would go off. Three kids got to get them on the bus. I would literally lay in bed. The anxiety would just. Hit me like a tidal wave. Mm. And I would marinate in it like a pot roast. Mm. And then I would hit the snooze button, hit the snooze button, hit the snooze button.
0: You were so overwhelmed that it felt like no matter what you did, it wasn't going to even put a dent in that overwhelm.
1: I mm. love what you just said because here's the thing, and this is perfect for minimalists. Hmm. We make an enormous mistake in life in believing that our problems are big, therefore the solution must be. It's actually the opposite it's the opposite. It is the simplest thing that changes the entire trajectory of your life. Mm. You're actually one decision away from a completely different life. Mm. And for me, the five second rule is another example of a profoundly stupid sounding habit that has extraordinary science behind it. And Mm. again, just like the story of the high five habit, standing in my underwear with one boob hanging lower than the other, feeling sorry for myself. And I am pathetically high-fiving myself. It doesn't sound so pathetic anymore now that we know the science. Mm -hmm. It sounds genius. Mm. But I stumble into the five second rule because I'm watching TV one night. It's a Monday night in February, 2008. Leans are on the house. We are a week away from a bankruptcy proceeding. Chris is sleeping in the playroom above the garage because he's a smart man and he knows not to be anywhere near me at this moment in our life. Mm. And I'm giving myself a pep talk like so many of us have. That's it. Tomorrow morning, Mel Robbins, it's the new you. Yeah, Girl, you got to stop drinking. You got to be nice to Chris. You, you got to get these kids on the bus. You got to tell your friends what's going on. You got to call your parents and ask them if they can help. You have got to look for a job. And by God, woman, when that alarm rings, you have got to get out of bed. Mm. And then all of a sudden, this is another divine moment. The universe was like, boom, hit her with this now. This rocket ship launches across the television screen. And I was so drunk on bourbon, I had the craziest idea. I thought, tomorrow morning, that's it. I'm going to launch my ass out of bed like a rocket ship. Mm. I'm going to move so fast, I won't be in that bed when the anxiety hits. Mm. That was the moment. Why? The next morning, Tuesday... February, Boston, Massachusetts, 2008. The alarm goes off. Now, I'm going to introduce you to something that once you see it, you cannot unsee this thing. Okay. There is a five-second window that defines your entire life, that defines how much money you make, Mm. how happy you are, what your relationships are like. It's a window of hesitation that exists. Yeah. It's the moment between courage and fear stopping you, Mm. inspiration and procrastination taking over confidence and self-doubt silencing you if you can teach yourself how to move within this five second window of hesitation you change everything Mm -hmm. psychologists call this a difference between a bias towards thinking and a bias towards action the five second rule closes the five second window and teaches you how to break the habit of thinking and create a habit of taking action so the next morning the alarm goes off I remember the launch myself out of bed and I immediately start thinking about it and discounting it. That's stupid. How's it going to help? My problems are so big. I don't even want to get up. It's cold. It's dark. Who cares? And I just started counting backwards like NASA does five, four, three, two, one. And I stood up and this freaking thing worked. And so I used it honest to God in secret for three years.
0: Oh, wow. wow.
1: Well, I didn't, I mean, I went to Dartmouth and have a law degree. How, how do you like, how do you explain to people? oh count backwards your life will change <laughs> <Right>. like literally <laughs> right it's yeah. sounds so stupid but um. every time i knew what i needed to do but i didn't feel like it when i counted backwards five four three two one something switched mm. and i moved so i use it five four three two one don't have a glass of wine five four three two one don't snap at the kids five four three two one pick up the phone because you've already said it Thinking about it doesn't change your life. You actually have to take the actions that change your life. Mm. So I never intended to tell anybody because I didn't know why it worked. I get invited to do the first TEDx conference ever because my college roommate knew, I think, the person who was curating it and they were looking for somebody who had changed their job so many times. Mm. I get invited to the talk. It was about career change. I was not going to talk at all about the five-second rule because I still didn't know why it worked. I, at this point, changed my life. The restaurant business was kind of out of the gutter and Mm. back on track. We still have $800,000 in debt and liens on our house. Mm. We are still barely making the ends meet. Mm. But I have a job. We have health care. We're making it work. We're slogging through it. Our marriage is better. We got the drinking under control. So I step on that TEDx stage. And back then in 2011... They didn't really give you any support. Like, it wasn't like a thing. It was like something they were trying.
2: Uh Mm. If you
1: watch my TEDx talk, which is 28 million views now, Mm. you are witnessing a 21-minute-long panic attack. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not kidding. Like, if you look closely, I have this massive neck rash, like, all over my neck (sighs) because I'm, like, super anxious. First speech I would ever given, like, in a stage thing. And at the very end, I was so disassociated. I forgot how to end the talk. Mm. And I look out into that auditorium and I say, oh, there's this thing I do. I call it the five second rule. The moment you have an instinct to act, you must move within five seconds or your brain will kill it. Mm. I give out my email address and I walk out. Mm. That was that. A year goes by. Somebody puts it online. Another year goes by. Meanwhile, I'm just living my life. And 2013, people started to message me on Facebook. Hey, I saw that thing in San Francisco. I'm like, oh, we're in the audience? They're like, no, it's online. I'm like, it's online? <laughs> and by then, it had a million views. That's how all of this began. And then people started to write to me from around the world. So, again, like the high five habit, I started researching it. This is why counting backwards five, four, three, two, one in any language at any age works. And it's working for veterans and, uh, massive trauma practices to help people reprogram the triggers associated with PTSD. Pediatricians around the world use it to help kids interrupt the worry loops that trigger physical anxiety in their bodies. Mm. We know of 111 people who have stopped themselves from attempting suicide Incredible. by counting backwards
2: 54321.
1: Wow. Um it uh it works because the patterns of behavior whether it's procrastination or the relentless beatdown or a bias toward overthinking, those patterns are stored in your basal ganglia. When you think about something for more than five seconds, you drift into your subconscious and into autopilot.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: When you make a decision to count backwards, five, four, three, two, one, counting backwards requires you to focus when you start doing it. Mm. So it awakens the prefrontal cortex and draws your mind to focus on the counting. It's mm. a little. Uh, What they call starting ritual and habit research cheat code for your brain that flips off the part of the brain that sabotages you Mm -hmm. and flips on the part of the brain that you use when you're learning new behavior, thinking strategically, Mm. all of that cool stuff. And so, um, you know, it has spread around the world. Uh, I'm super, super, super humbled and proud. I never thought I would put anything out in the world even more powerful than that. I thought the five second rule was my legacy. And I will tell you, having used the high five habit, it like just chokes me up so much because like the five second rule propelled me. Mm. It helped me cut through the bullshit that was holding me back, whether it was trauma patterns or it was uh, negative talk or opinions or a bias towards overthinking or anxiety or fear. It helped me punch through it Mm. and take those actions that change everything. Mm. It did not address the deep self-loathing and the self-hatred that was constantly coming up. The high five habit, I believe, is a hundred times more profound
2: Mm. because
1: it cuts all the way down to the core of you and the things that are programmed in your brain that keep coming up on repeat to constantly stop you. And when you can feel like, no matter what, you have your own back. No matter what, you're going to still support yourself no matter what comes up in life you are going to be there for yourself Mm. yes yeah it changes everything
3: man i just love how like you went from this like uh intellectually understanding something to viscerally feeling it to emotionally connecting with it because that's really when the change happens right and these the five second rule the high five habit i mean these are really simple ways for people to go from that intellectual part to emotionally connecting with it it's yeah you're a freaking genius mel
1: Thank you. I, you know, I'm so excited that each one of these tools are free, that you don't even need an elementary school education to understand how to use them. That's right. That they in each encapsulate decades of research in psychology, in human behavior, in physiology, in neurology, into one simple action somebody can do to propel themselves or to heal that relationship. That is the most important relationship that you have. It's mm. like just extraordinary.
0: Yeah, it really is. Mm. Emma, the immigrant has some surprise questions for us. How about we, we, uh, let's talk to Amber here.
1: How do you move past childhood trauma and learn to love yourself? I have a tool for this. Let's mm. talk about it. So I experienced childhood trauma at the age of, I was fourth grade. I, uh, was molested by an older kid during a sleepover. Mm. And in the range of stuff that people can survive in that category, this was very mild. So one time incident. Um, and it was not somebody that I knew, but Mm. still I was awoken in the middle of the night to discover this was happening. Mm, And then I disassociated and it's really important for everybody to understand that trauma is deeply personal, how your nervous system imprints and remembers an experience is very different than how somebody else will. So you can grow up in the same household with a wildly abusive alcoholic parent mm-hmm. who beats both of you up, mm-hmm. and one of you may have a completely different trigger. Ksh, the can of a beer can mm-hmm. opening
2: yeah.
1: triggers you to go on edge. While your sibling, might it might be the, the gravel, a car tire on a gravel makes Ooh. them go on edge. Because yeah. your nervous system is remembering this stuff to sound an alarm later in life to protect you. And so I have recently, I mean, I've done EMDR, I've done the guided psychedelic modality Mm. with uh, MDMA, which has been extraordinary Mm -hmm. because like we said earlier, if you didn't talk yourself into this shit, it's very hard to talk yourself out of it. You got to actually do a physical reprogramming. Mm -hmm. But in the book, we spend a lot of time talking about something called the vagus nerve which is a treasure in your body, which you guys know about. Mm. This is critical for healing trauma. So your vagus nerve is an on-off switch mm. between your parasympathetic nervous system, which is your alarm, dysregulated, fight-or-flight nervous system, mm. and your sympathetic nervous system. And you can do something that I call high-fiving your heart. So you put your hands right here. Mm. Right, in the center of your chest, we, we all have big mitts, and press down, and mm-hmm. you can kind of feel almost like a release when you do that. Mm-hmm. And we're going to take a deep breath. And then you, as you press, you're going to say these sentences after me. I'm okay.
0: I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm safe. I'm, I'm safe. safe. I'm loved. I'm loved.
3: Hmm. What do you feel? It feels good. It feels like I'm giving myself a hug. Calm.
1: Yeah, yeah, and you know, some mornings you might need to say it fifty-three times. Right. There was a woman that wrote to us, and uh, she had seen a video where I was talking about the high-five habit and the five-second rule and the um the high-five in your heart. And she wrote to us from a domestic violence shelter, mm. and she said, "You know, I experienced severe childhood trauma from the age of four to I think it was fifteen, and I have just escaped a very abusive." physical physically violent relationship and I've lost everything. I'm in the shelter. I know I have a very long road. Yeah. For the past 5 days, I have been high-fiving my reflection and I have been starting my day when I get out of bed by high-fiving my heart. Mm. And what these two tools are teaching me is that no matter what, I can still have my own back. I'm still here. I'm still breathing. And knowing that I can still support myself. I know I can heal.
2: Mm, yeah.
1: And so the high fiving your heart is something you can do for trauma. You should do it, you know, as part of therapy because you deserve to have support in healing this. Mm-hmm. But learning how to bring yourself back into your body. And I think everybody, after the last 18 months, needs to know how to do this. I think everybody's nervous system right now is locked in a state of fight or flight. It's why people are on edge. It's why people are stressed out. It's why focus is so hard. One of the other things we learned researching this book, this was new to me for sure, Dr. Judith Willis, who studies um, neuroscience, the way the brain learns information. She was at UCLA for a long time. She explained that when your nervous system is on edge, it's impossible for the prefrontal cortex to actually do its job. And it makes sense because if the fire alarm went off in here, right? And we actually smelled smoke Mm -hmm. and your body kind of did one of these, we couldn't do a math problem.
2: Right, right. So
1: one of the reasons why right now everybody feels like they're so burnt out at one o'clock in the afternoon and I just can't focus and I keep missing my keys and why am I so on edge? It's because your nervous system is on edge. Mm -hmm. So your brain can't function properly And it's burning through all your mental fuel so fast because of your nervous system. Mm. So if you start high-fiving your heart every morning, and before you even get into the bathroom and high-five yourself into the mirror, you bring yourself back into your body, you flip off the stressed out nervous system, and you turn on that calm, grounded, collected, cool, at-rest nervous system, you are now putting your body in a place where your brain can help you yeah where you will feel more in control because you will feel like you're back in your body and you know look we had somebody write to us and say i did it the other day in the grocery store Mm.
2: because
1: some woman cut me off of their cart and seemed really agitated and i just did one of these i also love the high five habit and um high-fiving your heart and teaching it to your kids because you know like i was reading from chapter four of the book We can pump our kids up, but when we send them into school, God knows what's going to happen. And so knowing that they have the ability to walk into a bathroom and send themselves back out or do this to themselves in the back of the room silently, if they start to get nervous as the test starts getting passed out, these are simple tools that somebody of any age can use. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that cool to leverage the science It's already in your body?
3: What are the three, Yeah, what are the three phrases again? I'm, calm, I'm okay. I'm okay.
1: I'm safe. I'm safe. I'm, I'm loved. loved. And yeah. the I'm safe makes a lot of people cry.
3: Yeah. You know, it's, it makes me think about, I got some advice one time about some childhood trauma. And well, the first the way it was explained to me was kind of like these these layers of an onion, mm-hmm. which really helped me see my trauma in a different light because I looked at all these incidences of my life as like different separate things and when i what what i was explained to was how each traumatic experience builds on the next traumatic experience yes so um so having that perspective but then also being able to talk to that that inner child in me
2: mm-hmm.
3: and basically the the advice was hey when you start to feel anxious when these traumas come up like just think about how would you talk to a 5 year old kid or a 10 year old kid who was going through that trauma and talk to yourself that way, yeah. which sounded really silly to me. Yeah. But when that stuff comes up, it's it's very. I mean, that, that's why the heart thing works, because yeah. you're 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 seeing yourself, you're talking to yourself, you're talking to yourself through it, and yeah, it just helps process the the emotions a little bit
1: more. Totally. And if you can say those things or think those things, they're true in that moment. Yeah. And you know, back to the onion analogy, a therapist that I work with used a, a grape cluster. Mm. And that the stem is your nervous system. Mm. And every one of the grapes are the incidents. So you can have a grape form today that triggers the circuitry that connects it all. Uh. And I found that visual really helpful. And also going back to high-fiving yourself in the mirror and the fact that 50% of men and women can't even look themselves in the mirror. And a lot Mm. of it is because so many of us as kids, we don't have any way to cope with this shit. Mm. Everybody has trauma of some sort. And the the mistake and the the flaw in human design there's so many elegant amazing things about the way human beings are designed but one of the massive flaws is that when something happens to you as a kid you don't have the life experience or the circuitry to go these adults are screwed up somebody call the police like mm. this is not okay people mm. we literally go something's wrong with me yeah mm. we aim it back at ourselves yeah and so i believe that a lot of the reason why people can't even see themselves is they have blocked out the pain or numbed it for so long that the layers on the onion are so deep that even looking in the mirror like they haven't done it since they were 10 Mm. because they've been running from this or don't know how to cope
0: and then it gets worse because what we do here is we try to fix ourselves Mm. use this word earlier word i love healing ryan and i often talk to people about healing their relationship with stuff right because We aren't against things as minimalists. People often make that misconception. Oh, you must be monks or ascetics, right? But it's not about fixing the relationship with stuff. We, we, what we try to do is do what? We go to this horrible place called the container store. We buy all these clutter coffins and <laughs> and we bury our hordes in there and say, oh, it's fixed. No, that doesn't fix the problem. But when we, we talk about ourselves, we try to do the same thing for ourselves. We try to fix these things by, oh, you know, I'm, I'm going to do these 14 different things and if I do them in the right sequence and I do them enough times, I will be fixed. Well, no, it's about making room to heal what i love about high-fiving the heart is you're not actually doing anything it's pausing for a moment and stopping the doing yeah. that allows the room for healing yeah
1: and yeah. you know what i love that you said about the stuff because you're reminding me we did a bunch of when i had that talk show we did a bunch of shows on hoarding
0: mm, yes
1: i was shocked to hear that like 38 percent of people have hoarding tendencies.
0: Oh. I, I would tell you that roughly 99% of people are at least stage 1 hoarders That's in America. Crazy.
1: I think you're right. And mm. and what what people like cuz I've also noticed this like purging of things after practicing the high five habit because we oh, put wow. so much meaning into our stuff. That's right. And we hold on to all the stuff from our kids' childhoods as evidence that I was an okay mom, mm. <laughs> instead of being able to look your teenager or your adult child in the face and be with them for real.
3: Yeah, well, the stuff too is like it's almost like it's easier to love your stuff than it is yourself.
1: A thousand percent.
3: So I could see when the high f- you know people practice the sci fi habit, they start to let go of things because they start to see themselves and accept themselves through who they are and they don't need this stuff to prove it
1: correct well people women shopping all the time there's a dopamine release Mm -hmm. there's a power surge when you get something new and it Mm -hmm. is attached to i will feel better about myself if i get the high-rise jeans with the slight boot kick and the fray thing like it's all about chasing something outside of you rather than what the high five habit is teaching you, which is how to stand with yourself, regardless of the mom jeans or the high waisted or what wash you're wearing today, like it mm-hmm. and just see a human being that's worthy of love and support where you are.
0: Yeah. That's beautiful. And, and what I love about this is it's not prescriptive. Mm-mm. It's not Well, yeah, Ryan, if you just accept yourself, you'll be fine. Right. All right, good luck. Good luck trying to do the three or seven things to accept yourself. Mm -hmm. I don't even know what that means to try to accept yourself. You can't do acceptance. Mm. But in a weird way, you can. What you're talking about here is the closest thing to doing acceptance. It's merely seeing yourself for who you are. And it's by through that seeing acceptance arises within yeah, you.
1: I, but I'm telling you it is the physical action.
0: Yes, yes. It's the, it's yeah.
1: literally the demonstration and the treatment. Cuz I for a long time too like you guys I'm like I've read the research. I know there's that interesting study out of the UK where they looked at absolutely everything anybody can do. From meditation to exercise to relationships to change in diet on and on and on, what has the greatest impact on your fulfillment and happiness? What behavior change?
0: Oh, what is it? I don't know
1: being kind to yourself.
2: Mm. And it's
1: the one thing that none of us know how to do. And so when you physically unleash the dopamine by high-fiving your reflection in the mirror, when you physically give yourself a jolt of celebratory energy through your nervous system by just high-fiving yourself in the mirror, when you physically shut down the decades of self-criticism and self-hatred and self-rejection by high-fiving yourself in the mirror, you are demonstrating to your brain that that chapter is fucking closed. And there is a new chapter that is beginning. And it is a chapter where you treat yourself. Because for years, I read this stuff about self-love and self-acceptance. I didn't know how to do it. Right. This one gesture without saying a word has inverted absolutely everything for me. Everything. Because it's about demonstrating it. Most advice is so fucking fluff and shallow because people are doing what I call kitchen sink self-help. Mm. Uh, here's my seven things that, you know, you're going to forget and I'm not going to explain why they work and I've just kind of thrown them together.
2: Right.
1: And, yep, you should love yourself. Yep, you should look in the mirror and be kind. Yep, you should do this. Yes, but how? Mm.
2: Yeah.
1: How? And th- what I love about what we've discovered in researching this is the how, the high five to the heart. Mm is a how the high five in the mirror is a how
3: Mm -hmm. well i mean these things are because it is the physicality that that triggers the 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 that feeling so it is in essence the how um but yeah again just going back to like that's a it's a trigger is what that physic that's why the physicality is so important with it yes it
1: is it's a
0: positive trigger right absolutely yeah that's right we got a question here from tracy
1: how do you strike a balance between loving and accepting yourself for who you are, but also striving to better yourself? For example, reducing addictions, stopping bad habits, or losing weight?
0: Well, no. Mel, um,
3: <laughs> Man, I just want to say stop trying to be better.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think one of the problems is we we presuppose that Doing something to make us better is actually going to make us better, but it often Mm. covers up the problem that is deeper. And so we do all of these superficial things, all all of the the things that appear like they're going to improve our lives, Mm -hmm. the the self-improvement, but we're not actually improving the self. We're improving the circumstances that surround the self, but often those circumstances are making us miserable?
1: Well, um, the way that I would attack this question is by using an analogy. So let's think about either a walkathon or a, or a marathon 26.2 miles. Mm. If you've ever run one, you know that the most incredible part of doing a walkathon or a marathon are all of the spectators along the side cheering for you and high fiving you every step of the way. If you've mm-hmm. ever been a spectator at a walkathon or a marathon, you know that the energy is infectious. Yeah, we don't stand at mile seven and go. You're not done yet. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, you're you're running slow.
2: Right. Hurry I'm up! We're not
1: clapping to you, you know, until yeah. you get there, and we'll see what your time looks like. Maybe that, like, that's not what we do. No, we empower people to push through mm-hmm. their limitations mentally and physically. By raising our hands and high-fiving them and transferring our belief to them. Yeah. And what I'm here to say is we have been overwhelmed by the number of people. The day we published the book, somebody wrote to us and said, I was in a church basement at an AA meeting, and somebody stood up and said, I have been practicing something called the high-five habit. I watched this woman on YouTube. I am telling you, everybody, we all need to get on the bandwagon. I am shedding shame one high-five at a time. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons why people stay stuck is because they're trying to do the things that change their lives while still judging the hell out of themselves for where they've been or where they are. And so I believe, again, I sound like a broken record because this is so foundational, that if you do want to manage addiction, if you do want to change your habits, if you do want to improve your life, you will not do it by criticizing where you are because research shows it's demotivating. You will not mm. do it by beating yourself up. You will change the same way a marathon runner finishes a race because your life is a marathon. Mm. And there will be legs of that mile that are extraordinarily difficult where you want to quit and your knees are buckling and you, you're, you're, why did I sign up? And I got blisters and I should just stop. And it will be the slap of a stranger's hand, that sign of encouragement, that sign of belief that keeps you going you must start practicing the high five habit because even if you don't ever do those things to change your life, you will change how you feel about yourself and that changes your life.
3: And that's, yeah, that's the best way to change your life Yeah, is to feel different about yourself. Because also if if you're always trying to be better, oh, if I just lost weight, I'd be better. If I just wrote that play, I'd be better. If I just did X, Y, or Z, I'd be better. You're training yourself to always look for the next thing rather than accept you for who you are. Right,
1: and you're invalidating where you are which Mm -hmm. makes you less motivated Mm -hmm. to do anything new. And so if you validate where you are, okay, I may have let it go. I may be having trouble with this sober thing. I may have a lot of regrets, but by God, I see you and we're going to try again today. Mm
2: -hmm. That's
1: what that says. And that sends you into your day physiologically, neurologically different.
0: Mm. And that
1: is what will motivate you to do the hard things, to say, no, thanks, I'll take the seltzer
0: yeah 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 Mm. let's wrap up with a question from Renee
1: how do I help and interact with people who speak negatively about themselves
0: how do I help and interact with people who speak negatively about themselves so we surround ourselves quite often with people and often those people are negative and it Man, is it contagious Mm. because misery encourages others to pull up a chair and stay a while, Mm. right? And so I've noticed that if I spend time around people who are gossiping about other people, I feel drawn toward doing that, even if I didn't feel compelled to do it beforehand.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Let's talk about this.
1: Well, with gossiping, um, one thing that you can try is you can say, hey, let's just talk about everybody who's here
0: hmm
1: like just redirect the conversation yeah that's it like just i i have a, i like to just talk about people that are here mm-hmm. who knows what's going on in their life like that's it just redirected um because you know small minds talk about people and i i think that uh again that person that's gossiping and trashing somebody else trashes themselves in the mirror that's what right. they do every morning they hate themselves that's why they are busy picking apart other people to feel better yeah. uh and they also don't have anything else going on in their life Mm. that's why they're busy talking about what everybody else is doing or not mm. doing. So uh, a healthy dose of empathy and uh, judgment at those kind of people for me helps me distance myself from it. Mm. Um, the second thing that I would say about negativity is first of all, you can't change anybody else. No. So don't even bother trying. Amen. And the, the, but what you can do is you can manipulate. And so mm. this is some things that work. Um, I noticed that with some negative people in my family, the more that I actually cheer for them, the more they kind of cheer back
2: Ooh. because they're
1: negative that. because they look in the mirror and they feel negative about themselves they probably don't even hear how negative they are
0: that's right because it becomes a pattern and so what you're saying is if that negativity rubs rubs off on me the cheering can also emotional rub
1: contagion off. of course mm, there's lots baby. of research about this and then the third thing is this i did this once with a friend that i lost But it has a a really interesting ending to the story. So I had a friend that was in a relationship with a guy that was not really helping her, and it was re-triggering an eating disorder because the the guy was just not treating her well, and she was constantly insecure about whether or not the relationship was going to last. And she kept going on and on and on and on about the dude, and she was not eating. And I finally said to her, listen, I'm not your therapist. Mm. And I care about you deeply. Yeah. And so, unless you're actually going to get into therapy and address this, you have lost the right to talk to me about this anymore. Ooh. Because I cannot, in good conscience, because I am your friend, be your earpiece for merely venting. Yeah. I need you to start taking action to change. Mm-hmm. So, she unfriended me. I never talked to her again. And then she reached out literally two decades later and said, I did not know what to do. You were the one person that called me out on it. And I had a huge breakdown that weekend. And then the guy broke up with me and I went impatient for the eating disorder and some of my issues. And it changed the entire trajectory of my life. And so I think we're all so scared for the like uncomfortable conversation when in fact, Maybe somebody complaining is a cry for help and you're the strong friend that they need Mm. to call them out on it.
3: Yeah. Oh, man, Josh is that strong friend for me. Like, I'll start complaining about something and he'll be like, hey, man, I'm really trying to be positive right now. Can you not complain about the LA traffic? And I'm like, you know, you're right. I probably shouldn't just sit here and bitch about LA traffic. Uh, And and yeah, I'll I'll do likewise with him too. So yeah, I, I agree. Like, it's a tough conversation, but sometimes you just have to step up and say, hey, I'm really trying to stay positive today. And, like, this is, this is doing the opposite of, of what I'm intended to do today. Yeah.
0: No, Robbins, I want to acknowledge you. I yeah. want to thank you for being here today. Uh, folks can check out The High Five Habit. Where else should they find you?
1: Um, well, you know, I want you to, if you want to hear the book for free, go to social media because I'm reading it on every channel, cover to cover for free so people who can't awesome. afford it. Um, we, have a high, we have something called The High Five Challenge uh, that you can do for free. 100,000 people are in it right mm-hmm. now from 91 countries, highfivechallenge.com. With the number and,
3: five, right? Yep, with yep. the number five. Mm-hmm.
1: And um, I'm sure they'll put the link in the show notes, but if you Google it, you'll find it too. And... Um, You get five days of coaching and tools, and it's not on Facebook. It is actually on an app that I've arranged for everybody to have free access to so that we could have an ad-free, amazing experience without cross-posting and all kinds of garbage that happens in Facebook groups. And uh, the second that the first five days are over, it's flipping into evergreen so that you can be in there with hundreds of thousands of people around the world and get the support and the energy that you need right now.
0: Incredible. That's beautiful. beautiful. You're awesome, Mel. We'll put a link to all of that in the show notes as well as the new book, The High Five Habit. If uh, you leave here today with one message, let it be this love people and use things because the opposite never works. Thanks for listening, y'all. Thank you so much, patrons.
2: The minimalists. <laughs>